flu and I use the word throw up, I think it would pass unnoticed in almost any context, be that more formal or less formal. At this point, throw up is not especially playful, unlike the other expressions that I just listed. It's also not particularly irreverent. I have to say a good test for slang is if my students laugh when I say the word. Because given my position and my age, for me to use slang words to them is inherently funny. And I actually remember the age when I suddenly would say something in class and my students would laugh because I was too old to say it. And we're going to see that these kinds of descriptions, for example, a word being playful or irreverent, are going to help try and narrow down what slang is. So I would say that throw up is not slangy. It's more colloquial than vomit, but it isn't slang. And when you check the American Heritage Dictionary, they agree. There's no slang label for throw up, but there are slang labels for puke, barf, and Ralph. So is it that throw up is older, so it's lost its slangy feel? That's probably part of the answer. Throw up first shows up in English in 1732 to mean vomit. Barf is much newer, 1960. Origin unknown, it may be echoic, a kind of onomatopoeia. Ralph, 1966. Maybe based on the name, maybe that is also a kind of echoic form. The fact is we're not quite sure where that word comes from. But puke is old. It goes back to 1601. And that, again, there may be something to the sound of that with the p and the k that makes it particularly effective to mean to throw up. So slang is often ephemeral, but there are plenty of exceptions. As we see there, we've got some slang words that have been around for hundreds of years. Here are a few more. To knock off work dates back to 1767. To cram, meaning to study at the last minute, goes back to 1825. And buck, for a dollar, has been around since 1856. So I've been hinting at some of the characteristics of slang through these examples. Let me now present one definition. It comes from Jonathan Leiter, who's one of the leading experts on American slang. He's the editor of the Random House Historical Dictionary of American Slang. Two volumes of that dictionary are out, came out in 1994 and 1997, and the project is now being completed by Oxford University Press. So Leiter gives us a very good definition in a 2001 chapter that he wrote for the Cambridge History of the English Language. And he writes, so here's his definition of slang. Slang denotes an informal, non-standard, non-technical vocabulary composed chiefly of novel-sounding synonyms and near synonyms for standard words and phrases. It's often associated with youthful, raffish, or undignified persons and groups, and it conveys often striking connotations of impertinence or irreverence, especially for established attitudes and values within the prevailing culture. So this definition captures quite a lot. Slang is informal, but it's not just informal. It's impertinent or irreverent. And we could think here about the difference between, for example, a phrase like to have a senior moment, which is informal, colloquial, for when we forget something, 
versus the moment when we have a brain fart, which is also when we forget something, but that one feels irreverent. Slang is also not just non-standard. It actively challenges the standard. And we saw it with brain fart in the way that that's working with a taboo term. As Leiter put it in a 2003 interview, slang ends tends to be intentionally undignified, startling, or amusing. Slang comes from the margins, which doesn't mean that slang isn't used for effect in the mainstream, but its effect relies on the fact that it's coming from the margins. It's coming from groups like people who are young, who are outside established authority, who are outside the established institutions of power. Slang is a way for groups on the margins to critique the mainstream.